You know, uh, usually when you like to do these reviews and these assessments, you'd like to do them after an eight-game, uh, eight games. Unfortunately, the bye week right now, it's, you know, it falls after the sixth game. And the facts are we're two and four, but nobody in this organization is happy about two and four. I mean, that's, that's real. But let me remind everybody here, there's a lot of football to be played here. I mean, we have 10 games left um, in the season. I think the bye week comes at a good time. I think it gives the coaches a chance to review, self-assess, make some corrections, and implement those corrections. It gives the players a chance to regroup and then make that push on the back end of the 10-game schedule. So with that being said, the facts are what? We're 2-1 in the AFC. We're 1-0 in the AFC North, and we're 0-3 in the NFL. I mean, the NFC. The positive here is we have five home games. We have five divisional games. There's a lot of football to be played here. Welcome to the first ever Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature. I am your host and curator, Thelonious Seven. We're at the bye week, and there's so much to talk about in the Cleveland sports community. To help aid in our understanding of what we can look forward to after this break, we've reached out to a few members of the local Cleveland podcast community. Our first guest is a friend of the show who stopped in a couple of weeks ago ahead of the 49ers game. He adds his submission from across the pond. We're going to hear from John Cahill today. We are also happy to welcome a contribution from Adam and Greg from Surviving the Season. That is a show title which has aged well this year. Guys, welcome aboard. Happy to have you. Hello, everyone. We are Adam and Greg Hare of the Surviving the Season podcast, another Browns podcast, and we're excited to uh, have them reach out from Dogs by Nature Radio to give our submission to the questions for the Dog Summit. It's certainly a pleasure to have you guys aboard. We also welcome Ron Bloom from the Browns Blitz podcast. Ron is a virtual Twitter celebrity because of the ungodly number of sensible, intelligent, and thought-provoking posts he makes. We are incredibly fortunate to have him here on this show. Hello, everyone. This is Rod Bloom from the Browns Blitz podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at CLERodB. You can find the podcast at the Browns Blitz. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and a few other places. I'm very happy to be asked to participate in this uh, Brown Summit at the Bye. Sir, the pleasure is definitely ours. We also have a fourth contributor uh, to the show who is known for his work on the 1085 podcast. His name is Jack McCurry, and unfortunately, Jack did not have time to get into the studio, but he has shared his thoughts for us, and I'm going to read them here for you. And a quick side note. Jack's hustle has certainly been an inspiration to me. I know he grinds it through a nine to five and he still makes time to share his thoughts with us here on Dogs by Nature. So I appreciate that. So introductions aside, let's get into the dog summit. Okay, here's our first question. The adage goes, you are what your record says you are. Does it seem like the Browns are a sub 500 team? The schedule has been brutal early, but after six games, Who are the Cleveland Browns? We'll start with Jack McCurry, the co-host of the 1085 Gridiron podcast. He answers as follows. When asked who are the Cleveland Browns, I'm not sure they even know who they are at this point. 
they have yet to find a consistent rhythm offensively through six games. And after having a decent start defensively, they're starting to take steps backwards, especially with the run defense. Let's hear what John Cahill says about this team's identity at the bye week. I actually think the, the brands are, are, are a lot better than the, than the record suggests. Um, I think there are plenty of teams out there who are scheduled, who, who records are inflated due to, to where their schedules were worked out. If we had to have played our schedule in reverse, it's quite possible um, that we would be one of those teams with an overinflated record maybe of who we were with a, with a four or five five uh, victories at the moment. So I think, um, yes, the, the schedule has been brutal. I think if you'd have asked me at the start of the season, I'd have taken three and three uh, through six games. But here we are now, two and four. Um, I think it's a fair reflection of of who we are. Um, we, we we could have we could have won the game against the um, against the Seahawks. We could, but maybe didn't deserve to win the game against them um, against the Rams. But um, I think based on everything uh, you know 2 and 4 3 and 3 is really where this team against the teams that we have played are at the moment um, things are going to get better when the schedule turns John Cahill and John Dorsey sounding very similar in their responses about where the team is and what we can expect for them looking forward so let's hear from Adam and Greg from surviving the season Yes, the Browns are two and four, but it's not too bad of a two and four. If you were two and four and you looked like the team that played the Jets or played the Titans, I think we could be really nervous about being a sub 500 team. I think after watching the Ravens and the Seattle game, I think this two and four team isn't as bad as a sub 500 team. I think if we would have been sitting three and three, now at the bye week we had talked about on our podcast as being an okay you would be okay with that because of the the tough schedule at the beginning um when i look at this at, at who we've lost to one team the titans is the only real team that we have no business losing to right yeah they're terrible they're terrible outside <laughs> of that but there's sort of a theme here to the teams that we've lost to they do one thing well get after the quarterback other than Seattle. Seattle, not so much the case. The four turnovers against Seattle is what killed us. But when you talk about the Titans, we were killed by Cam Wake and Harold Landry. We were killed by Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler, Clay Matthews from the Rams. And we were killed by Nick Bosa, D. Ford, and uh, DeForest Buckner by San Francisco. Offenses were terrible in those games. But as you see with Seattle, when, when there is time to operate, Baker is more efficient. The wide receivers get time to get down the field, and, and we're able to hit these guys. Uh, but you can't turn the ball over. So to sit here 2-4, and four, disappointing, absolutely. We also would have been happy with 3-3. Three and three. So we're not that far off the, the mark. And as the schedule gets uh, late, deeper into the season, it gets easier. And I think there is a uh, there's going to be... There's going to be an epic rise for the uh, Cleveland Browns here in the second half. Yeah, one more point to the who are the Cleveland Browns. I'm not sure that they know who they are yet. Are we a power run team? Are we a, are we going to try to be a super offensive team and, and put up 50 points? Are, are we going to lean on the defense? I, I think they're still figuring that out, and it's sort of up to Freddie and Munkin to get through this 
portion because I'm not sure that they know who they are. The guys from Surviving the Season bring up the same point that Jack McCurry did. I don't even know if the Browns know who they are yet. Let's hear what Ron Bloom has to add to this part of the discussion. I think I think you gotta be realistic about this schedule. Uh, I think we knew right off the bat that the first part of the schedule was was the tough part, and not that there are any easy wins in the NFL, but the latter part of the schedule is a whole lot easier than the first part. So it's very tough to judge this team based on the first six games. Uh, I think we've seen obviously some some bad things out of this team. We've seen some good things, uh, but it's real hard to say that this is a a, a two and four team. Um, the the two and four is reflective of what this team would be against you know any competition. Let's put it that way. Um, it, I think they, they've played some tough teams, um, but they've had some good games. So I I think we'll I think we'll find out. I don't really think we'll find out completely what this team is and who the Browns are until we see a lot more of the season unfold. Uh, I think we all expect a tough game against the Patriots. Uh, you know, I, I I really truly thought the Browns, you know, before the season started, could have a chance to go in and steal a win here coming off the bye with the Pats playing on Monday, but. I didn't expect the Pats to be rolling quite like they are, and I didn't expect the Browns to quite be in the funk they are. So I think expecting the, the Browns to compete in that game is probably probably a dream. So uh, the Browns got to just get past that game and, and hopefully do well against the Broncos and, and Bills, which, which uh, are not necessarily going to be easy games going at to Denver and in, in Buffalo. And then uh, Browns got enough to take care of business against the division. And then they've got some easier games, so um, hopefully they can do things. And you know, as far as who the Browns are, they're just they're they're a team struggling to find their identity. Still, aside from Nick Chubb, I really don't don't think we know what this team is yet. That is a common theme. We don't know who this team is yet, <laughs> with the exception of Nick Chubb. That is. Additionally, I think we should mix in some optimism for the second half of the season, as these guys have mentioned as well. So with that. We'll take our first break. You're listening to the Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature. Welcome back to the Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature. I'm your host and curator, Thelonious7. On the first question about team identity and record, there was quite a bit of consensus from our panel. But let's see what happens when we get to the second question. This second question is about Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens has been baptized by fire in his first action as head coach. My brother has been skeptical going as far as to suggest that his approach is masking his ignorance. I think he needs more time to improve to become who he is as a coach. But I feel like the media here in Cleveland has begun to get after him. Do you guys feel that folks aren't patient enough with Freddie Kitchens? How well do you think he's done so far? And do you think he will ultimately be successful? And as an aside, should he consider removing Monken from his position as offensive coordinator? Jack McCurry posited this. I don't think people have been patient with Kitchen so far. McCurry seems to think that it's the major expectations that the team had coming into the season that are to blame for that problem. He said that 
Coach Kitchens won people over with the opening press conference, much like others have in the past. But he's still learning on the job, and not every rookie coach is like Sean McVay. McCurry goes on, I do think he can be successful, but much like the players, he needs to let his actions do the talking instead of the words. Get back to what made you successful and build off of that. If things aren't meshing well with Monken, then at the end of the season, part ways and find the right man who can help you do what you want offensively. So McCurry's hopeful, and he would not remove Monken till at least the end of the season. Let's see what Adam and Greg from Surviving the Season have to say about Freddie Kitchens. I'm unsure if you can peg what Freddie is just yet through six games. I don't think it's something that you would fire him for. I don't I don't know if he's made a case that you would keep him around if, if the season continues the way that it does. I think that it's he's different as a coach than what most Browns fans are used to. Freddie is super aggressive. He gets after it. He goes for fourth downs. He tries to score as many points as possible as we see against Seattle as he's trying to score at the end of half uh, and then stop Seattle, get the ball back and, and score again, he talked about in his press conference. We're not used to seeing that, and Freddie might not actually have the team to be this aggressive, and, and so he's he's trying to find you know, his place, how to use these guys, uh, what to do going forward. So I think the jury's still out on Freddie. I've seen some good things. I think there's things to build upon, but there's also a ton of problems, penalties, uh, the over-aggressiveness at times. There's play calls that, that haven't worked at all. I mean, there's been plays that have been dead on arrival. As soon as you get to the line of scrimmage, you can tell they're not going to work. We'll see. The jury's out. I don't know if he's going to be successful, but God willing, as a Browns fan, I sure hope he is. <laughs> well, as far as being patient, we are Browns fans, so nobody's patient. I think we're all pretty, <laughs> <laughs> we're all pretty used to that. Freddie's hired here to be an offensive mastermind and, and score points. You, you put all these, you know, high price skill position players around Baker to score points. If we don't score points this year, patience is going to wear even thinner. So, with removing Munkin, I, I'm not sure that that's part of the problem. They do definitely need to come together and, and get the offense moving forward, or it's going to be a long season you'd be hard-pressed to bring Freddie back in a situation where the offense shows absolutely nothing. Yeah, but until the season is over, there should be removal of no one at this point. Yeah, agreed. So far, some nuance about Freddie Kitchens, strong stances about keeping Monkin and everybody to the end of the season. Uh, let's hear uh, from, let's hear from Ron Bloom on Freddie Kitchens. Fre Freddie's made some mistakes. I think we all know that. I've been a Browns fan for a long, long time, um, longer than some of the listeners have probably been around. So I, I've been through this. I've been through all the regimes uh, since, the re since the reincarnation. And guys, I'm just, I, I'm sick of, of let's get rid of the coach. Let's just get rid of the coach. We've got to start over. Uh, this, this isn't working. We need new coach in here. We need new, new regime in here. Um, he, he's not the guy. We've, played, we've seen six games under Freddie. I don't want to hear that he's not qualified to be a coach. Okay, Bill Belichick had a losing record like five out of his first six seasons. Okay, I'm hoping we don't have to go through that with Freddie, but not every head coach is, is great right off the bat, and I'm not suggesting that Freddie's going to be Bill Belichick. But you got to give these guys a chance to learn on the job. If you want him to be a head coach, give him a chance to grow into the position. 
I think Freddie has all of the people skills, all of the leadership skills, and and he's certainly innovative enough, and he attracts the right people to be on his staff. I think Freddie's the right guy for the job. I just think he needs some time. As far as Todd Munkin, I really, really just don't know the relationship there between Freddie and Todd. So uh, I think we just kind of need to see how things go on offense. Uh, I, I really think they're, the more of the problem on offense is, is with Baker. The reason I asked about Monken in the first place was because I had him on the show a couple of times this year in press conference form. And as he was just discussing things, something about his responses seemed off. You listen to the players. Everybody's on message, on point about the team being first, about wearing orange and brown. Somehow with Monk and it, it just sounds a little bit different, a little bit off. And you look back to last year at the beginning of the year, Baker Mayfield's performance was very was very subpar at the beginning. I mean, especially initially after the Jets game, he came in and did what he did. But after that, it seemed like the offense was underperforming. Everybody underperformed for a while, right up until Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley got the boot. And after that, it was just Baker and Freddie. And when it was Baker and Freddie and the team, when they put the players first, in this position, they were able to do so many great things. And I feel like I feel like the addition of Monk in this offseason somehow brought back a lot of that confusion. It's very possible I'm alone in <laughs> questioning Monken's position here, but maybe we'll see something different with John Cahill. What do you think, John? I think when you talk about time for for who Freddie is to become as a coach, I think time is something Freddie doesn't have. I think Freddie was um Freddie was um Freddie's time to learn and to to know the ropes etc blah 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 was last year and I think um I think the Browns are in win now mode and I don't think they can afford to have a a head coach with training wheels on um it's it's not um it's not really it's not really the time for that now now is the time for for our head coach to be a head coach and not a not an apprentice head coach. Um, I think he's done okay so far. I don't think he's done great. I think his deficiencies were severely highlighted against the 49ers. I think Kyle Shanahan took him to school um, in that game. It was by far our worst performance and our most inept really from uh, from Freddie. Um, as for Todd Munkin, I, I really actually don't know what Todd Munkin's role in all of this is. Um, you know, obviously himself and Freddie work on the offense together, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Freddie uh, calls the plays. You know, um, that's going to be on Freddie's head. I think that. Um, I think if I was in Freddie's position, I'd do the same. If I'm going to take all the responsibility, um, I'm going to do it my way. You know, so I do struggle a little bit with wondering what the value of having Todd Munkin is um, is to the Cleveland Browns. Thank you, John. Totally agree about that last point. <laughs> okay, we're going to take another quick break. You're listening to the Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature. You're listening to the Dog Summit at the Bye on Dogs by Nature. My name is Thelonious7. I'm your host and curator for this show. Here's question three. We've seen mixed results from the defense. They seem to be doing their part in terms of playing complimentary football, 
But after six games, how would you rate the performance of Steve Wilkes? Can Miles Garrett win Defensive Player of the Year? Jack McCurry, host of the 1085 Green Arrow podcast, gives us this response. I thought Wilkes got off to a good start, but the last few weeks, the defense has taken a step back. But I also think injuries, Greedy, Ward, Kirksey have also played a role in that. Getting Ward and Williams back will help, but the lack of linebacker depth is hurting this team, and in addition, there could be needed to give Schobert some relief. McCurry goes on. I do think Miles Garrett can win Depoy, especially if he stays on pace with what he's done this season. But him winning the award could be predicated on how the Browns' season actually plays out. He thinks Miles is on pace to win Depoy, but only if the team starts to win. So let's start this part of the discussion with Ron Bloom. Ron, what do you think about the defense and Steve Wilkes? Defense and Steve Wilkes. I think that uh, I've been pretty happy with the defense. You have to look at the injuries to the secondary. Um, yeah, I mean, you can say that, sure, some of the guys, you may think some of the guys on the on the defensive line have underperformed. Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, if, if you're looking strictly at sack numbers, but look at some of the grades these guys are putting up. They're playing pretty well, and I think that, I think that, some of the problem uh, with the defense and the way they look sometimes is is related to a lot of the turnovers the Browns offense is giving up. Uh, they're really put, putting the defense in a bind sometimes, and when you when you play a game and the defense has to be on the field for you you know for uh, for a majority of the game where you're talking thirty these some of these games where the Browns have gotten beat pretty badly and, and they've been uh, the defense has been out there for 35 plus minutes it, it's tough to look good as a defense in those games no matter how good you truly are if your offense can't stay on the field and, and keeps putting your defense in a bad spot they're not going to look good they've had the injuries in the secondary and I think the guys have filled in well so uh, overall I, I'm pretty happy with the defense and the way they've played Again, you've got a new scheme. You got a lot of new players in. Um, that stuff should take some time, but I, I think that Brad's defense is not the problem. And can Miles win the Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, he's he's on pace for 24 sacks. He's this season right now. Um, yeah, he can definitely if he can stay healthy and, and keep performing like he is. The, the sack number alone will give him the, the Defensive Player of the Year award. Two votes for Miles Garrett Depoy so far. Awesome. I appreciate that so much. I mean, that answer made me want to play the Miles Garrett song, but I'm trying to keep it more professional. This is an official dog summit. I just can do what I want to do. But anyways, I really like the point that Ron made about the offense putting the defense in a bind. That's happened all year long, and it has totally affected their performance. So now back to Adam and Greg from surviving the season. What are you guys thinking about Steve Wilkes and the defense thus far? And hopefully vote for Miles Garrett. Well, let me start just with the can Miles win defensive player of the year? Yes. Continue to get after the quarterback. I mean, he's he's fantastic at that. Uh, hopefully we get in uh, to 
where we're in positive game scripts for the defense. That means the uh, we're winning and their offense is having to throw the ball where Miles can pin his ears back and get after the quarterback. That is going to uh, turn out well, not only for him, but for the, the, the entire defensive line. Overall, though, Steve Wilkes, I think, has done a very good job. I, I think, yeah, you can look at times where the defense is getting gashed, especially this last game against Seattle, where they, they were able to just move the ball right down 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 the field at will at times. Uh, but there's a few things that are hindering him. One is the fact that both starting quarterback cornerbacks are out. Not having Ward, not having Greedy, very tough right now. We, we, you know, you're stuck with TJ Carey at playing the outside when he should be relegated to the slot. It's very tough for him. You also have Mac Wilson filling in because of injury. He showed some promise in the preseason, but he's making a lot of mistakes so far, and it's been it's it's been contributing to the defense getting gashed. Uh, when you're forced to play rookies, they're going to make mistakes, and uh, the de- the de- uh, offense has they've benefited from that. So that's been tough. The other problem that he has, Jermaine Whitehead. The fact that Jermaine Whitehead is playing as much as he he has has just been only a negative for the Browns. Outside of the the couple of turnovers that he has gotten, he's been terrible. He's missed tackles. He's leading the team with 10 missed tackles on the year, and he's yet to be able to cover anyone. So uh, you go from Jabril Peppers, you change Jabril out with Jermaine Whitehead and Morgan Burnett, you haven't gotten 80% of return on what you lost there. So that's been another issue. Steve Wilkes is making the best of what he can. He's got a tough defensive line. They can get after it. But Steve Wilkes, the defense, the type of defense that we have, he needs to have a lead, and then you're going to show what this defense can really do. Yeah, the, the only thing that Steve Wilkes could do better is go out there and tackle himself. Because, <laughs> again, the Browns are just showing complete disinterest in tackling for, you know, whatever, the fifth year in a row where we're just at the bottom of – you know, miss tackle stats. So unless uh, he can get that turned around, it's it, the defense is going to have some some troubles with that. Yeah, Pro Football Focus has us down for 56 missed tackles through six games. So almost 10, what well, nine a game? Great job. I was not aware of that fact. <laughs> wow. Well, at least we got another vote from Miles Garrett. I'll tell you, I appreciated the point that you made about injuries and in depth. Uh, Mac and Whitehead have been, uh, they do make me miss Kirko and Peppers. <laughs> and now we come to John Cahill from the Two Green Browns podcast. What do you think about Wilkes in the defense, John? I think, um, I think Steve Wilkes has done really well. Again, I think the 49ers, he was on a game that he was looking really out of his depth. And I suppose the Titans to a certain, um, to a certain uh, point as well uh, I think the the defense has um, a lot of good players there so they really should be playing well sometimes maybe the D-line maybe not performing to what maybe we thought they were going to perform at um, at the start of the year um, Miles Miles probably not going to win the defensive player of the year trophy because that player is probably going to come off uh, one of the the likely Super Bowl winning teams are close to close to getting to the Super Bowl. I think we're a fraction away from that at the moment. And if he were to win it, he'd want to be completely um, outclassing um, everyone in 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 those um, in those polls. But um, he can win it, Jess. Um, I I don't see it though. 
Oh my goodness, John. What is it that they're missing? Maybe you should try being Trevor Simeon on Monday Night Football. Then maybe you could see why this guy should be Depoy. Okay, I'm sorry. I lost control. I'm trying to show some journalistic integrity here, but... You want to be the defensive player of the year. You want to be the best player on the field. Sorry, that's probably a sign that I need to take a break. I'll be back with the second half of this dog summit as soon as humanly possible, right after I can recharge the batteries a bit. We'll be back with more from Ron Bloom, John Cahill, Adam and Greg from the Surviving the Season podcast, as well as Jack McCurry from the 1085 Gridiron podcast. Okay. You've been listening to the Dog Summit on Dogs by Nature. I am your host, Thelonious7. Take care.